The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The Gospel of the Lord. Go out into the whole world. Go out into the whole world. We see, in a sense, that statement running through our readings today, beginning initially with Saul of Tarsus going out into the world beyond Jerusalem, beyond Israel, going out into that world to seek out and to find those Jews who had come to faith in Jesus and why? to go out into the world and to bring them back to Jerusalem in chains, to be imprisoned and to be punished. It's a remarkable element here that this man is so aggressive in the way he seeks to track down, to hunt down those who belong to this new way. There's something different, something threatening about it. And we see here as well, though, a warning from heaven to that heart which dedicates itself above all other things to hunting down and rooting out error. Because while truth is important, it is more important to live the truth oneself than to hunt down the mistakes that others make. And so it is that this one, so concerned with the authenticity of the faith of Israel, curiously misses the point. And it is the God he believes himself who he is following who has to correct him. But note the disposition here. Go out to the world, which is exactly what he is doing. He has letters of authority in his hands. And he will go and he will seek and he will find, and he will bring back. If we simply just listen to the verbs, it sounds exactly like what we describe apostolic ministry to be. Go out and seek out the lost, find them, and bring them back. Note how curious that is. And note, however, the difference in spirit the spirit of hostility, the spirit of animosity, the spirit that brings one back to be punished and imprisoned versus the spirit that says, go and bring them that they might be saved. And so it is that this one in his correctness, in his authenticity, in his faithfulness, 
despite all of those things, or perhaps because of the way all of those things are clustered together in his heart, doesn't even realize how wrongly his enthusiasm has pulled him off the proper path. And so it is then that we celebrate the conversion of this one. And just putting it in those terms, note what it means to say that one so intense as this, so focused as this, so driven as this, so convinced of the narrow, invincible truth of his own correctness will be changed. And then we have to say there's hope for us. And so it is then. It is in this movement, going out to the world, going out to the world to seek those fallen away, to bind them, to bring them back, that they might be punished into correctness, that something happens. And on the way, in the middle of this frantic, relentless energy, we read he is struck down. The light shines around him and it is overwhelming. He feels no blow, and yet he is brought low. Struck down by light. What a remarkable moment that is. A light so bright, so blinding, so brilliant, so beautiful, one cannot stand before it. And he falls. He is blinded. He no longer sees because the light is far too bright. And he can't see anything but that light. And falling down, out of the light, there comes the voice. And how remarkable it is that it is the voice of the Lord that he believed himself serving, and yet he doesn't recognize it at first. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Note the irony here. This heart so convinced of its faithfulness to the Lord, needing to learn the sound of the Lord's voice. And at this moment, at this moment, the Lord says to him, and it's a remarkable statement, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Note what happens here, because again, it turns a certain attitude among us present-day believers at times on its head. On the one hand, we see Jesus directly engaging Paul and presenting himself to him. But note how he does it. Jesus identifies himself with his church. Because Paul has not set off to bring Jesus back in chains. Paul has not set out to hunt down Jesus. He was hunting down the members of his body, of his church. And so note what the Lord says here. In persecuting them, you persecute me. In rejecting them, you 
reject me. This is an absolutely remarkable moment because as intensely personal as it is, it is not merely private. And here, St. Paul himself learns the lesson that there is no belonging to Jesus that doesn't include belonging to his people, that doesn't include belonging to his church. Because the Lord identifies himself that completely, that thoroughly with his church, which is his body. And so it is not all that surprising years later when St. Paul writes in his letters that the church is the mystery of the body of Christ and we are members of that body, sharing one spirit among us. Note how it stems in no small measure from this initial experience. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Not because you come hunting me, but because you come seeking them. And it is Christ himself who, in calling Paul, says to him, go to my church. Go into Damascus, but my church will find you. My church will find you, and you who are lost will be now bound to me. What a tremendous turn of events this is. And here we have this man who says, my companions saw the light, but they did not hear the word. They did not hear the voice. And we see here as well that there is often a certain emptiness when we say, I've seen the light. That's a good start. But seeing the light must open us to hearing the voice, to recognizing the one who speaks within that light and out of that light, that one who is the source of the light and the author of light. And how wonderful it is that the same God who at the very beginning of his creating of all things first made light by speaking a word. And so now into the darkness of Saul's heart, into the darkness of his reckless enthusiasm, light bursts forth, scatters the darkness, and in that light there is a word. Why do you persecute me? I am Jesus. And in hearing this voice, in hearing this word, in recognizing that claim, and seeing that light and having his eyes and his mind filled by it, it's as if everything else in the world falls away. This blindness that he experiences is not unimportant. I am led by the hand, he says, into the city. And it is not until the representative of the church comes to me that I can see again. But I could not see a thing because the light was so bright. 
so bright that it's impossible to navigate the world in the way it used to be. He is incapable of finding his way in the world he thought he knew because that light makes everything so very different. And all of those things in the world that seemed so important before have no place in his vision now. The light has crowded them all out. How absolutely remarkable this is. And note what we see physically. He is struck down so that he can be lifted up. He is afflicted so that he can be healed and made new. The very pattern of the way God deals with his people. The very pattern that we see even in the life of Jesus who is struck down but rises to bring us to new life. And what do we see here? This one who would persecute him is likewise struck down. Not to be punished, but to be made new and brought up. And he who came seeking others to lead them away in chains now finds himself bound to that very church he sought to destroy. And the Lord will say to him, you have been chosen by me, not by the priests of the temple, not by your own misguided enthusiasm. You have been chosen by me. Oh, and you will go out into the world. You will go out into the world, not to bring men and women back to Jerusalem in chains, but rather to bring them to me, that I may heal them that I may save them, that I may make them new. And you will labor not to build up Israel of old. You will labor to bring the newness of the gospel to the entire world, for I will gather all peoples to myself. And so it is that this one, so given over to a misguided sense of truth, now suddenly stands within the light of the full truth, and he will go. He will suffer as he goes. Time and time again, what happens to him on the road to Damascus will repeat itself. He will be stoned and left for dead. He will be imprisoned and yet struck down each time he rises again. Imprisoned and each time he is set free and moves forward. He will be that one who will stand before rulers. He will be that one who will stand boldly in the synagogue. He will be that one threatened everywhere he goes and yet always unafraid. Why? Because in the fullness of his own power, he was struck down by light from heaven. And so he knows well how empty and weak worldly power really is. If in his strength he could be so easily undone and so readily overcome, why would he fear any worldly strength, which likewise can be overcome by the gospel of God, 
which likewise can be overcome by that one who says, why do you persecute me? I am Jesus. How wonderful this is. This moment of his conversion. He will take years to understand it. He will take years to grow out of it. He doesn't become the great preacher and the great witness immediately. But what happens here changes everything for him. And therefore, wonderfully, it changes the world. How absolutely remarkable this is, this moment on the road to Damascus. And very few have had as great an impact on human history as Paul has had. He set out not to have an impact on human history. He set out simply to stamp out an error. And the interesting thing is that the error itself spoke to him and said, let's talk about that, for you are not so correct as you assume. How wonderful it is that this heart can be moved, but it also underscores for us when our stubbornness and our self-righteous is strong and firm within us, it does require a great movement of grace to pull us out of that. But that grace does come. That grace is available. The issue is, how do we respond? And to his credit, this one struck down responds. And so in a sense, he is put to death and given new life. His false freedom is taken from him. And he himself will proudly say that I am a slave of Jesus Christ. I belong to him. And my freedom is at his service entirely and completely. And he will go forth to teach the church and to teach his fellow believers that they are more than disconnected individuals who have come to their own personal act of faith. They are one in him who unites us. They are one in him who comes to break down all of those things that divide us and all of those barriers that we set up between ourselves. He is that one who overcomes all of these things, and Paul can say that with authority because that's what happened to him. Our first reading is remarkable in that it is Paul himself recounting his story to his fellow Jews. And note the implication. If I, who was so convinced, could now be so different, so likewise can you. And that is a marvelous point and a marvelous message for us to hear and internalize today. If one like him can change so greatly, then so can I and so can we all. And the issue may not be that we persecute Christ, but the issue may be, do we perhaps not belong to him as fully as we should? And Paul's example reminds us, great things are possible when the heart makes that decision to be blinded to the false promises of the world that it might open its eyes fully to that brilliant light of the truth of Christ. In just a few minutes, we'll come forward 
And because of the ministry of St. Paul and the other apostles, we have the privilege of being able to gather here some 2,000 years later and to do what they did because Jesus will be here. And when his presence is held up before your eyes, it is not likely that we will physically be struck down or physically blinded. And yet that same Jesus whose presence and glory was so blinding for Paul is the same Jesus who is here. And he calls out to each and every one of us. And that call may not be, why do you persecute me? It may rather be, why do you hesitate to belong to me? Why do you hesitate to come to me? It may simply be, why is there still something lost in you that I must seek and find? But I am here, and you can come to me. And we won't need anyone to lead us by the hand to come forward, because across our lives, the church has led us by the hand to bring us to this moment. And we can rise, and we can come forward, and we can stretch out our hands to that one, that one whose glory changed St. Paul, that one glorious still today, whose life and whose presence can change us. And what a great gift that is. And to ask him for that great gift to truly see in his light, not the light of our ambition, not the light of our self-righteousness, not the light of our insecurity, not the false lights of this world, but that one glorious light of his truth. How wondrous indeed a gift that would be. Amen.